welcome to episode 24 of the Next Gen Cast. It's a Christmas special and our last episode of 2021, which feels like a bit of a strange thing to say. Now this is a really different episode to the usual ones and very exciting. Today I had a chat with Jake Humphrey, who's the lead Premier League football presenter on BT Sport. And before that he spent a decade at the BBC covering Formula One, the FIFA World Cup and the London Olympics. Now the reason I wanted to speak to Jake is because I've been loving his podcast, which he set up with Damien Hughes, who's an expert on high performance sporting cultures. And the podcast interviews remarkable people on how they came to excel, from amazing sportsmen and women to entrepreneurs, chief executives, coaches, captains, billionaires, and lots in between. Not that dissimilar to the Next Gen cast, really. They're just trying to get people to tell their stories so that everyone can learn from them. In its first year, they had almost 10 million downloads and it was held by Gareth Southgate as the podcast that got me through lockdown. So I discovered the podcast a few months ago and have been catching up with the back catalogue. And I think there's so much that we can learn in the NHS about leadership, culture and teamwork from people who are in these industries. So I definitely recommend the podcast, High Performance, and Jake and Damien have also just released a book called High Performance, Lessons from the Best on Becoming Your Best, which was published by Random House Business on the 9th of December, which is an overview of all of the things that they've learned from interviewing so many people over the last year. So I couldn't quite believe my luck when Jake replied to say that he'd come on the Next Gen cast, and it was a real privilege to chat to him. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Jake Humphrey, welcome to the Next Gen Cast, and thank you so much for agreeing to come on. You're a celebrity in your own right. Your podcast has millions of downloads, and I know you're in high demand. So I really appreciate you agreeing to do this. Nish, it is my absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. So I discovered your podcast earlier this year when I was just looking to learn a bit more about Gareth Southgate, actually, as a leader after the Euros, because I was quite intrigued by his leadership style, stumbled across that episode. And then I found this whole treasure trove, a back catalogue that you have interviewing incredible people from such a diverse range of backgrounds. And our audience is NHS leaders, but I think we can learn a lot from the people that you've spoken to. Mm. So, I mean, I think that the idea for the podcast came from you initially and, you know, you had it all, Jake. You have this amazing job at BT Sport, your own production company. You know, you're rubbing shoulders with some of the greatest sportsmen and women of all time. Why did you want to set up a podcast? Because I'm surrounded by people constantly giving me excuses for why they're not happy. And um, I... I totally understand. It's a really difficult one, this sometimes, Nish, because it sounds harsh, right? I totally understand people's excuses when they tell me that they're too busy or that their jobs are too stressful or that they haven't got the amount of money they'd like to do the things that they want to do or they've got challenges in their private life or with their health or with their parents or with their kids. Or, But those excuses and that reasoning and that mindset is never going to help them. And so I really wanted to have conversations with people and talk about taking responsibility, trying to make it clear that there is a distinction between fault and responsibility. Just because something's your fault, it isn't your responsibility. And really explaining to people that 
there is just no magic to be found in constantly coming up with excuses for not living the life that you really want to live. And that doesn't mean, um, cause I'm so sort of cautious about saying these things in case people go, well, how harsh is that? You know, you don't understand these people. They've got a really hard life. I'm not saying that life isn't hard. I'm almost saying that actually we should almost expect it to be hard. You know, the people that are listening to this podcast, if they have a difficult person in charge of their NHS trust, or if they have a real challenge regarding funding for the hospital they work at, or if they have staff that are disengaged or struggling, it's almost having a mindset, right, of, well, why shouldn't that be the case? Why shouldn't you have a boss who's a bit of a dick? Or why shouldn't you have staff that are struggling to motivate themselves? Or why shouldn't you have a hospital where there's a, a shortage of resources or whatever you need? It's our expectation that everything should be perfect leads us down this path of thinking, well, everything's not perfect, so I can't be happy or I can't be successful or I can't be productive or I can't get to where I want to get to. And I was keen to create a podcast that really drove home the message that just because loads of things in your life are not your fault, it's still your responsibility to find a way through. And living in that world of frustration and excuses and negative self-talk is not going to do anything to anybody. And that's probably the single biggest message is the messages and the conversations that you have with yourself are the most important ones you will have in any given day. So expect the crap stuff, expect the negativity, expect the shit, expect the letdowns, expect the difficulties and find a way through them. That was, that was my number one reason for creating this podcast. I really like that. And that's something I really took away from your book that it might not be your fault, but it, it can be your responsibility to do something about it. No niche, not can be. It is your responsibility. Well, do you know what? I, I did an experiment with myself, which was what I call the 100% responsibility experiment. And it's brilliant because it is literally totally in your control. You just decide for a week. Let's say the 1st of January, everyone listening to this podcast goes right from the 1st of January or the 1st of February or whatever. For a week, I'm going to take 100% responsibility for everything. So if the kids are late out of the house in the morning for school, not their fault, my responsibility for not dealing with it or getting up early enough. If I have an awkward person at work who's not putting their weight and isn't doing their job, it's my responsibility to work out why I haven't empowered them or excited them or worked close enough with them to get the best out of them. This 100 total responsibility mindset is really powerful. And then I guess you can dial it back slightly as, as you go through. But that first sort of seven days of taking total responsibility is actually a really good exercise because it reminds you of the power that you have. And every time you're not taking responsibility, you're basically giving away power. And if other people are not going to do what you do as well as you do. Why would you want to give away that power? Mm. So it's sort of saying there's more in your sphere of influence than, than you so. might think. Yeah, absolutely. So just out of curiosity, Jake, why did you call it high performance? Why did I call it? Well, I mean, I suppose the first thing, just to be totally frank, is I knew that it had to be something that would immediately excite people. And I wanted it to be aspirational as well. I wanted people to tune in and go high performance. I definitely want a bit of high performance. And I suppose I've always described the people that I work with all the circles I move in as high performance circles, you know, so I obviously worked for a long time on formula one and, and worked on football for a long time. Now I've done almost 10 years as a football broadcaster. Um, and I don't really care who wins a game of football or who wins a Grand Prix. The interest for me is working with those high performance individuals, those people that are operating at the absolute edge of the envelope constantly pushing themselves to the limit and I really wanted the title of the podcast to make it clear that that was the conversation we were having but then I'm also aware and a few people have said this to me they said yeah but high performance isn't attainable for everybody is it you know not everyone can be high performance but 
I absolutely fundamentally disagree with that. If you're saying not everyone can be a millionaire, quite right. If you're saying not everyone can be 100% happy 100% of the time, well, of course that's the case. But we can all be high performance. And for some people, being high performance is just making sure that they get up on time, they make their bed, they have a shower, they put on some clothes that make them feel good and they get out of the house and they start the day in the right way. For other people, high performance is competing at the Olympics every four years and anything less than gold isn't good enough. So we all have our sort of different levels of what high performance represents. But I certainly think that all of us have got a responsibility to ourselves with this one single life that we're given to find our own version of high performance and try and live it on a daily basis. So you interview a really eclectic bunch of people on the podcast, you know, boxers and ballet dancers and billionaires. And I I sort of thought at one point, okay, the thing they all have in common is they're probably quite rich and well-known and they're successful, but there's not much more than that. But now you've written this amazing book, which I've got here, which is High Performance Lessons from the Best on Becoming Your Best, which is out on the 9th of December. And I I loved it. So thank you for that. Thank you. I wondered if you could just maybe mention some of the themes that have come out from the people that you've interviewed that you write about in the book. Yeah, that's a really good question, actually, Nish. I think... um, well, for a start, I always know when people don't actually listen to the podcast because they they say, "Oh yeah, I've seen you do that podcast." Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not having that at all, and I'm always like, "Why? Why? Why? Why don't you think there's any value in that?" And the answer is always, "Well, I don't want to listen to successful people telling me why they're successful because that's just survivorship bias. They've made it, so they think they know the answer, whereas it's different for everyone. Everyone's on their own journey." That is a person that has not listened to high performance or even if they've tuned into an episode they haven't really listened because actually the high performance podcast and what we write about in the book is actually not about success it's almost always about failure yeah and what you will find when you listen to the pod or read the book is that successful people fail way more than everybody else the key here is how they fail so there's three ways in which they fail they fail often because they're always pushing themselves to the next limit um they fail early because they make sure that if they're on the wrong track, they find out that they're on the wrong track and they pivot another way. But the most crucial one of the three is they fail forwards. So they take the learning from that failure and they go again. And I think for people listening to this, there's, there's really two key things here. For a start, all of your NHS workers that are tuning into this podcast need to fail. They need, and that's very difficult, particularly when you're working in the health sector and you're under scrutiny and you've got you know, ridiculous targets set by the government that you have to hit and all of these sort of strange parameters to judge whether you're a successful NHS operation or not. But actually failure is so important because failure is the only way that you're going to realize whether you're operating right at the window of where your capabilities lie and you're really pushing yourself to the limit and you're really in that in that area of growth because failure is another word for growth. It's like when you go to the gym and what does a personal trainer say? Right, lift that weight till failure. Why? Because next time you can lift it longer and you can lift it harder. Look, failure is a positive thing. I think that's the first lesson is to seek failure. And I think the second thing is, and my sister works in the NHS, my brother-in-law also works in the NHS. Um, and I sometimes when I speak to them, it doesn't feel to me like they work in a culture where failure is allowed or is embraced. And I think that you have to create vulnerability. So the person at the absolute top of the organization has to be the one to go, guys, I fucked up. Guys, I don't know everything. Listen, everyone, I messed this up and I'm going to sit here in front of all of you and I'm going to be vulnerable and say this was a mistake on my behalf because then that allows everybody else to say, do you know what? I messed up too or I learned loads on that day or I wasn't perfect when that happened. 
And I think particularly when you're working in the health sector, that kind of openness and honesty, I think is so, so important. You know, if you're not daring to be vulnerable or not daring to be open and you're sweeping things under the carpet, mistakes will happen again and again and again. And actually in the NHS, you can't be affording to make those mistakes because you're talking about people's lives. So if you can create that vulnerable working place where failure is okay and failure is accepted as long as we learn from the failure, we don't just ignore it because it looks bad on a piece of paper or it might cause us problems higher up the chain of command, I think you'll be operating in a much more successful organisation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Jake. We talked about this in the last episode with the former Secretary of State for Health, Jeremy Hunt, you know, this toxic culture, this blame culture, which is about finger pointing rather than trying to learn as a system. And it's been around for such a long time in the NHS culture, certainly the length of my career. It's a really, it's a really sort of outdated and backward way of thinking. Like, why does there have to be someone to blame on every occasion? Why can't you know, collective responsibility be the answer in that situation. Mm. Um, it's a really, it's, it's a difficult one because it takes a culture shift from everybody and there will be people that are nervous. But if it, start, it has to start at the top, if it starts two thirds of the way down, where it won't begin because the people at that level will be worried about those above. And in fact, even if it starts one rung below the absolute top where the chief execs are sitting, then it won't be successful. It has to come from the top. And I was interested to read about your own failure in the book. You said um, you got you got E, N, and U in your A levels. I didn't even know N was a grade. Jake. Neither did I. Yeah. Neither did I. What does that mean? It stands for nearly, which stands for nearly a pass, which an oh, E God. is a pass. Basically and, rubbish. And you got fired from McDonald's for poor communication skills, and yet yeah. here you are, lead Premier League presenter for BT Sport. It's kind of mm. hard to believe, isn't it? But it just shows you how even your early failures don't need to set you back. No, exactly. We often say on the podcast, failure is a comma, not a full stop. Building good. resilience is really important. You know, I, I, do you have kids? Yeah, two-year-old. So I, I, I'm sorry if this offends you in case you indulge in this, or maybe you just see other people indulging in it. But you know, when I talk about helicopter parenting, mm, hovering yeah. around, <laughs> you, do you do you do it or do you just see it? Well, my husband tells me I do it, so right. I would say no, but he would say yes. <laughs> but when I, you know what I mean by helicopter parenting. Yeah, like, totally. Hovering around just above your kid's head all the time. Don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't fall there. You know, sometimes within reason, obviously, it's really important to allow your children to experiment and to push the envelope and do exactly as we've just talked about and to fail. Because I've, I really am concerned that we're not creating enough resilience in our young people, right? And... That's probably the single most important and valuable trait that the high performers that have joined us on high performance possess, which is resilience. And my concern is if we helicopter parent our young people and we, you know, I have slightly older children than you, eight and six, and even we do it. There's a problem at school. We go in and solve it. There's an issue. There's a bump in the road. We can see it ahead. So we quickly run ahead, smooth the bump and our child glides over the top. That's perfect until they actually get out into the real world. And at 21 years of age, they have to go for a job interview. And it's the very first time they get rejection. It's the first time that they sense that failure. It's the first time there's no helicopter hovering above to solve the problem. They're not equipped to deal with it. Um, and so I think allowing your children to struggle and fail at an early age is actually no bad thing. And I remember when I failed my A-levels, and this sounds harsh, I know, but, and they were brilliant parents, but my mum and dad went on holiday to New York and they, left me at home because I'd failed my A-levels and the family went on holiday and it was like, no, you failed your A-levels. You need to stay in the UK 
work out your plan, do some extra work and get ready for redoing your A-levels next year. And actually, all these years later, I'm so glad they did that because it's a really good reminder that you can't just mess things up and carry on just gliding through as you did before. You need to learn from it. And I certainly did. And I think um, those challenging times were probably really valuable for me, as hard as they are at the time. Another one for you is that what is hard for you isn't necessarily bad for you. That's a really good one. Mm-hmm. What's hard for you is not necessarily bad for you. And I, I really, in the podcast, you often drop in little parenting reflections, which is a relatively new yeah. one I really like. And I remember that phrase, roots and wings. You've got to give your child roots, but you've got to give them wings as well. Yeah. I try and remember that. So you talked earlier, we were talking about culture, and you said it needed to start from the top. And our podcast is for young leaders in the NHS. So I'm interested to know, you've spoken to you know, managers, captains, CEOs, coaches. What have you learned about really good leaders from all the people you've spoken to? I think the very best leaders that we've had on the High Performance Podcast um, are people who realise their limitations. I think we spoke with Ben Francis, who was the mm. CEO of Gymshark. And, you know, this is a guy who at 18 years of age created Gymshark while he was still a student and it's grown into a multi-billion dollar business yet he was the one that stepped away and said I need to go and experience every part of this business before I can become the CEO and it was his business he'd created it yeah he wasn't comfy just becoming the CEO until he'd stepped away and he was brave enough to bring someone else in from outside a man who came in from Reebok worked as the CEO of Gymshark and Ben has now stepped back in having been away from that for a number of years so I think that the first thing that a lot of our real high performers, the really elite people have, is humility. I think it's very important to realise your limitations and be humble enough to allow other people in the business to, or in your world, to bring that to the table. I think the other thing that is really quite vital in all of these is communication. And it's very interesting talking to the people that join us on high performance because they often are in a position where early on, they don't get the communication right. And Frank Lampard spoke brilliantly about this. You know, he was at Chelsea at the time as the manager. And he said that what he learned about communication is that you have to tell all the people all the things all the time. Because as long as you're making decisions for the right reasons and you truly believe in the decisions that you're making, what's the point with holding any information? I know like there are certain issues, sensitivity, GDPR and all of that stuff. But apart from that, just tell everyone the journey that you're going on. Because if you don't tell them the journey that you're going on as a collective, they'll only fill in the blanks. And what are the chances they're going to fill in the blanks in the right way? Slim. And when they fill the blanks in the wrong way, what are they going to do? They're going to share those with other people in the group and say, I think this is happening next week, or I think they're planning this, or I think this is what our future looks like. And before you know it, you're the leader. You're sitting there with a great, brilliant vision of your business or the future of where you're working. And no one else is on that same path with you because they've all heard the other rumors or they've all filled in the blanks. And, you know, to use a football analogy, I'm a Norwich City fan. And a couple of years ago, the club were not communicating with the fans and we were doing really well. Um, We were in the Premier League, but they were booing the players off because we were losing games of football all of a sudden. And the fans weren't aware of what was going on behind the scenes. And as you know, success isn't a linear path. Sometimes you have to take a few steps back to go forwards. When you're in that period of taking a step backwards, which Norwich were at the time, you have to tell people that you're taking steps back to eventually go forwards. And then there was a change in leadership. And the first thing that that leadership did at my football club was communicate with the fans. Two years later, they're an entire division below, 14th in the table and getting clapped off because they've told the fans, this is a journey. This is the dip. The rise is on its way. So please, can we just come with us on the journey and be prepared for some difficult times? 
taking people with you is really key. And I think the final one from those brilliant leaders is that they know comparison is the thief of joy. And you cannot spend your life comparing yourself to other people, comparing your business to others, comparing your success to others. We're all on our own path. And you have to realize that quite often people that are having an opinion about you or people that are sharing where they're at with you, you're not seeing the full picture either. You're only seeing the things they want to share with you. So social media is, a, I think, a really dangerous place. I mean, the very fact that you can edit photos on social media tells you that you're not looking at reality. You're looking at an edited form of reality and you're comparing that edited reality to your actual reality. And therein, nothing but sadness and frustration and disappointment lies. So ignore comparisons, communicate really brilliantly and really effectively with your people and be humble enough to know that you have your limitations. And that's why you operate in a team because where you have your limitations, other people can step up and the very best leaders are brave enough to put the very best people around them. Thanks, Jake. I think that's really useful because you've interviewed, as I said, some of the top leaders from so many industries and clearly thought a lot about what makes a good leader. So those insights are really useful. So the final question before we go on to some quick fire is, I heard you once on another podcast say that interviewing all the people that you have over the last year has rewritten the way you see the world. And I was curious to know what you meant by that. So what have you changed your mind about by speaking to all these high performance people? I think when I first started high performance, I was looking at it primarily from a sporting perspective because that was where I'd come from, you know, my time in F1 and in football. And I do think that I looked at the world and I saw people not coping very well with struggles and I really wanted to give them the message that the struggle is the good thing and that you should expect a struggle and that struggling should always be there and present and I think I've totally changed my mind on that because when we spoke with Johnny Wilkinson on the podcast he was really smart at saying to us that he thought that when he was playing, he thought that struggling and failing and clawing and scrapping and fighting would eventually get him to that beautiful place of acceptance and happiness and joy and serenity. And he soon realized that scrapping and fighting and struggling and, and battling all the time just led to more struggling and scrapping and fighting and battling. And I think this is a really good message for people listening to this podcast is that it doesn't need to be a scrap and it doesn't need to be a battle. And it doesn't need to feel every night that you go home like you've been in the trenches. I think we're tricked into thinking that that must mean we've had a good day, that we've had our backs against the wall and we feel like we've been peppered, like we're in some Western or something. We just go home like a husk of a person. I'm not sure that's right anymore. I think for some people, perhaps it is. Some people do need that. But actually, I think that fulfillment and happiness are way more important than struggling and scrapping and pushing yourself to your limits. And that has been a really big lesson, actually. Like, everything is okay, right? As long as it makes you happy. It really doesn't matter. You, you can be the person with your back against the wall, feeling like you're never going to get out of there and you, you're really up against it. And that's cool if that makes you happy. Or you can be the person that just walks into an office, brings positivity, takes people on the journey with you, sort of glides through the day, just spreading positivity and warmth. And that's also cool if it makes you happy. It's all about finding that thing that puts a smile on your face because I don't think any of us want to get to the end of our days and 
none of us have as long left as we think we do. It's been a big lesson for me. You know, I've become a bit of a stoic, I think. Yeah, I noticed that on your Instagram and I so have I just by chance. I really like the Daily Stoic mm. podcast and, and the book. I think what's really important about what you're saying is it's OK to enjoy the process and not just focus on the outcome. And I really remember Matthew McConaughey saying there was never this ta-da moment of success. Although I sort of thought, how can you say that when you've got an Oscar? Like, surely that would be your moment. And he said, it never comes. It just never comes. It's a it's a nice moment. And then there's always another one. So actually, why struggle along yeah. the way? Just yeah. enjoy the process. And if the outcome's kind of secondary. Totally. I mean, you're totally right. You know, the human brain is not wired, I don't think, for having those great big moments of, wow, like, you know, I've had a lovely career, but I've never had a thrill as great as when I bought my first car, which was a British racing green MGF. I still remember it cost me £9,250. No matter what's happened in the last 20 years since then, nothing has given me that thrill. I mean, think of like, think of the, what's the sort of most exciting thing you've ever bought uh, or, or received? Engagement ring, house, car, I don't know. Probably running shoes or something small like that. Right. So you buy those running shoes and you love those running shoes, right? And you're yeah. like, oh, I'm so pleased I got those. How do you feel about them when you've run in them a couple of times? You look after them at the beginning and then you chuck them on the floor in the end because you're designed to move on to the next thing. And I think particularly high achievers are designed to move on in the blink of an eye. You know, he's not, he wasn't a guest on, on the podcast, but I worked with the former England goalkeeper, David James. And he said that he won the FA Cup towards the end of his career. He said he'd waited his whole life to win the FA Cup. The whistle went, they'd won the FA Cup and he felt nothing. And he said he remembers standing on the pitch, seeing all the other players celebrating. And he's like, I don't know why you're celebrating because this feels no different. I feel no different to the man that was desperate to win a trophy 30 seconds ago. And that's why it has to be about the process, not the outcome. If we're all focused on the outcome, what happens if the outcome is not as exciting as we think it's going to be? And then we realize we've spent 20 years striving for that outcome and we haven't enjoyed the process to get there. So I think it's almost healthy for us to think that the outcome is never going to be very exciting. It is about the process. It is about being in the, in the moment. You know, like I, I sort of live a life now where I try and be as present and as focused as possible. And that's been a really good learning for me from high performance. So something like this, I'm not thinking about what I'm doing the rest of the day. I'm not really thinking about what happened this morning when the kids got up and were like dropping croissant all over the floor or whatever. <laughs> I'm just totally engaged in talking and having this conversation with you. Because I'm learning from you, you're learning from me, we're enjoying a moment together. There's a very strong possibility that we will never see or speak to each other again for the rest of our lives, right? Just I don't take offence from that. <laughs> no, no, but it's just reality, right? Yeah, so yeah. why not have this half an hour as a really lovely, positive, engaged and interesting half an hour? You then move on to stuff more important and exciting than me. I go off and crack on with other little bits and pieces, but this moment was really nice. And if you can do that with every little thing in your day... I, I don't know who it was who came on the podcast and gave me that. And it, I may have heard it from either the Daily Stoic or read about it in, in my Daily Stoic book. But even if something is crap, Ryan, you don't want to do it. Let's say you, you know, you're, in, you're in a meeting and you know that meeting's going to be an hour, right? That meeting is going to be an hour. That will be an hour of your life. You've got two choices, basically. Fully engage, take control, decide that you're going to be present and in the moment and you're just going to learn and explore that meeting and those people and those feelings, or you're going to sit looking at the watch, wishing the time is over. Well, I think the, the latter is probably not the right option. So being present, being in the moment is quite a powerful one. 
Absolutely. And, you, you know, either way, you've got to go through it. So you've just got a choice about exactly. it goes back to that responsibility yeah, yeah, yeah. piece. It's your responsibility how you choose to spend that time. There we are, right back where we began. <laughs> yeah, your so responsibility. That's a great place to end. Jake, can I just do a couple of quick fires? Of course, you? Have yeah, you got absolutely. five minutes? Thanks yeah, yeah, so yeah. much. So I've stolen some of these from your own quick fire because every time you ask them on your podcast, I always want to know what you might say. So um, you probably can predict the first one. What does high performance mean to you? High performance to me means exploring every single day, not to be a better version of myself, but to be a happier version of myself and making sure that I'm fully engaged and present in every moment and trying to do everything I can to make other people feel better than the moment before they saw me. I always think um, if people don't miss you when you leave the room, it means they didn't appreciate your presence when you were there. And I think you need to try and live a life if you can where people appreciate having you around. So that's high performance to me. I love that. What advice would you give a younger version of yourself, you know, fresh out of school, about to embark on your career? It's an interesting one, this, because... So I, I had a, a kind of an interesting upbringing. My upbringing was lovely. But school was a challenge. I was not very good at school. I was quite badly bullied at school. I lost my grandma to suicide when I was a teenager. And that's a difficult one because you think grandparents don't do that you know they're the cuddly happy people that are always there for you and then I had the A-level failure then I lost my job at McDonald's there was all these moments where I could easily go back and say Jake listen man school is not going to determine your future or listen focus on the time you had with your grandma that's the much more important than the way that she died or getting fired from McDonald's is no issue for you because that was never going to be your career anyway but I almost feel like if I go back and tell myself those things I'm not going to learn the lessons I need to learn from those moments. Um, so I think what I would probably do is just something that I guess a lot of people would tell themselves when they're younger is just worry a little bit less. Just don't, don't stress. But then by the same token, I'm sorry, this is going to be quick fire. By the same <laughs> token, I actually think that the worry for me when I was younger was almost like a form of, almost like a bit of protection you know I like I was always too much of a deep thinker but then I I kind of think that I'm where I am now because I had all of those concerns and all those things and like I don't know we're sort of brought up to be taught that worrying like is bad is it that bad if you're really sort of concerned about things I think if it affects your mental and physical health then yeah worrying to that point is unhealthy but I suppose I would describe it more as a real awareness. I've always been very aware of mortality, very aware of the clock ticking all the time, very aware of we're all on this precipice where things could go wrong at any given moment. And that can be draining and tiring. But I think for me, it might, might be vital and quite useful. It's like that stress curve, isn't it? A bit of stress yeah. is good up to a point and then it can be bad. Yes. But a bit and I think of it probably is what like, drives me on every day to just yeah. make sure that every day is a day where I just take a small step forward. It doesn't have to be massive, but just a little bit of learning or a little bit of improvement every day is mm. probably vital. Marginal gains. Mm. Um, what are your non-negotiable behaviours? Love them. <laughs> uh, passion is the first one. Living every single day with real passion and I am talking about passion for everything because I think if you can develop a real passion for every part of your life, it makes everything way more interesting. So I hate the phrase of it'll do. So I always say to my kids and my wife and anyone that will listen, it'll do will never do. 
never live a life where it will do is kind of all right, because that's just bollocks, man. You're not going to get that long. So just really make sure that you love everything that you do. So be passionate about what you eat for breakfast in the morning. Wake up and go, right, I'm going to really love the breakfast that I make for myself. I'm going to make sure that it's what I really want to eat. And I'm really, and I know time is tight. Yes, of course, but take responsibility. Get out of bed 10 minutes earlier. So you've got that 10 minutes to think, right, I'm going to be passionate about what I eat for breakfast. Drive your kids to school full of passion for giving them a, a, a really exciting day. The last words we always say to our kids as they get out of the car, hey, be the light in the room, okay? And I want that drummed into them every single day. Like they can be the one to lift everybody up. Be passionate about everything you do. So my first non-negotiable is passion. The second one, which I think is really important, is is all in, which is the one that Stephen Gerrard used with us, where like you can't half ask this stuff. You know, you really have to fully commit, fully go for it, be all in at all times. And the final one is the one that I've learned really on on high performance is that the biggest thing is 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 happiness. So um I think it's that old phrase of fitting your own gas mask before you help other people. I think if you're a happy person and you're a fulfilled person and you're living an all-in passionate life, the chances are you're going to spread that around to everybody else. So the nice thing about those non-negotiables is that I like to think they'll help other people, not just help me. Yeah, I really like that be the light in the room. Okay, final three quick ones. Apart yeah. from your own book, I know you read quite a lot. What one book would you recommend to everyone? One book? You are cruel. Can I, get, <laughs> can I have two? Yeah, you can have two. Uh, Redemption by John McAvoy. He was a guest on our podcast. Oh, I loved his podcast. Jake. Wasn't it good? Isn't he amazing? Yeah. I haven't read his book, though. Right. Yeah, read you should it, read yeah. his book. The book is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and for those of you that don't know, John McAvoy, once one of the most wanted criminals in the UK, was in the high security wing at Belmarsh with the worst criminals you can ever imagine. And he's turned his life around. He's now a professional triathlete. He goes into schools and educates people. But I love that book because it's a daily reminder that everything changes all the time. There's a lovely... Um, there's a lovely stoic phrase, which is no man steps in the same river twice. The river has changed and so has the man. We're all on a constant journey of evolution. Um, and that book is a good example of that. And I would also recommend the Daily Stoic. Um, so the Daily Stoic is 366 little learnings from the Stoics, but then it's kind of translated into the modern word as well. So you wake up in the morning, have it next to your bed and you'll be well equipped for your day. Yeah, I have it. We have it next to our, where we brush our teeth. And me and my right. husband I often have it. Here, but I don't. Okay, of all your episodes, so if someone's yep. listening to this that have never listened to the podcast, which one episode? Okay, they should listen to all of them, but which one should oh. they start with, Jay? Can I ask you that question instead? Because oh, that's a good, <laughs> yeah. You've listened to a lot of them. And it's a challenge because I like Matthew McConaughey, Oscar winning actor, talking about searching for green lights bloody brilliant johnny wilkinson an hour and a half conversation where he doesn't even mention rugby unbelievable yeah. mel robbins the power of high-fiving yourself in the mirror which sounds trite and total nonsense but if you do it you'll realize it's powerful joe malone struggling with selling our business and being diagnosed with cancer and still pushing through um to you know gareth southgate working out how to get multi-millionaire 21 year olds to compete at the right level how can you pick one? I don't know. Yeah. You, I'm, yeah. I'd, love, I'd love you to, to give a recommendation. Yeah, I mean, they're all great ones. I'd, prob- I'd probably say John McAvoy just because he's not, he's not a famous sportsman necessarily or someone that I'd heard of before. Yeah. So I really like, I really like his, his redemption story. I'd probably and say I probably say this, but actually, I, love the, um, I love a lot of them. The ones you've mentioned are all great. I love it 
when it's people that people don't know. Yeah, me too. And I think the nice thing about finding an episode where you either don't agree with the person, don't like the person, don't know the person, don't understand the person, there's going to be more growth for you there than just going, well, I like rugby, so I'll listen to Eddie Jones. I like football, I'll listen to Frank Lampard. Um, go for something a bit different. Like we had Alistair Campbell on. But he was involved in the Blair government, right? At the time when they um, were in a war with Iraq. And we got a lot of people, and I did on my Twitter, coming to me saying, why would you have that guy on? You know, they were calling him a warmonger and all these other things. And as he says on the podcast, he didn't lie. He didn't do any of those things. But people have already made their minds up, right? And I was, I didn't because it would just create too much stress and hassle. But I felt like going back to these people saying, listen, that is your opinion and that's totally valid and you should have that opinion. But realize that this conversation is about so much more than that. And if you have that narrow mindset of this is my opinion of that person, that opinion is never going to change. It's set. That's the opposite of a growth mindset. And that would really be my departing message really for everyone listening to this is that a growth mindset is all about growth. It's all about realizing that not a single thing in your life right now, not one thing is fixed. Nothing is fixed. Everything can be changed, altered, developed, grown. And that is bloody exciting. And that is the way to live our lives with that mindset that nothing is fixed and that growth is there for us, for all of us. Jake, thank you so much. I am utterly privileged to have spent that time with you. I never thought I'd get this opportunity. And like you said, probably never will again. So thanks a million. It was amazing. I love your podcast. I love your book. And you and Damien are, are just incredible. Thanks so Nish, much. Thank you so much. And, you know, like, well done for what you're doing, because it's very easy when you're as busy as you are working as a GP. And by the way, thanks for everything you've done along with all your colleagues during the coronavirus pandemic. And I hope that finally we realise the NHS is something to cherish and, and not take for granted. But, you know, for you just to do this podcast, it is definitely a lot easier not to bother, right? Because you're busy enough, you've got <laughs> kids, you've got a busy life, you're operating as a GP, but it's these extra little bits where you're clearly doing it for other people, not for yourself, That is um, that is really the areas where you deserve praise. So thanks very much for what you're doing. And it was an absolute pleasure to chat. Thanks, Jake. Nish, no worries at all. Lots of love. So that was episode 24 on our Christmas special with Jake Humphrey. And in exciting news, he's agreed to give us two signed copies of his book to give away. High performance, lessons from the best on becoming your best. All you have to do is write in to Next Generation GP and tell us what you've learnt from either being part of one of our programmes, watching our webinars or listening to the podcast. It doesn't have to be any more than 300 words. And you can email that to nextgenerationgp at gmail.com. And that closes on the 9th of January. And two lucky winners picked at random are going to receive a free copy of Jake's book signed by him. So that's all for the Next Gen cast in 2021. Wishing you and your families a safe and happy Christmas and New Year. And we'll see you in 2022, where we've got some really exciting guests lined up. In the meantime, keep in touch by signing up to our monthly bulletin at bit.ly forward slash NGGP bulletin. And we'll be back in the new year with the Next Gen cast. See you then.